Okay. Um, this week we begin the third Chumash of the Torah, Chumash Vayikra, which is called the Sefer HaKarbanos. More than anything else, it's the Sefer, the uh, biggest subject of this entire Chumash, is the sacrifices of the Beis HaMikdash. In the previous Chumash, in the last couple of parshiyos, we learned about the building of the Mishkan, and all the details, we discussed them in, in, in uh, Truma and, and uh, Tetzave, Kisisa, Vayakil, Pikudei, a tremendous uh, section of the Torah that was devoted to the building of the Mishkan. And this coming Chumash deals with the Avoda in the Mishkan, the serving of Hashem in the Mishkan. Um, and as we discussed, the Mishkan was just part one. You had the Mishkan of the desert, then you had the Mishkan of Shiloh, and then you had the first Beis HaMikdash, then the second Beis HaMikdash, then the third that we're waiting for. But the central Avoda of all of these is the Karbonos, the sacrifices that went on daily in the Beis HaMikdash, and there was all different types of sacrifices. But halachically, that was the main function of the Mishkan and Beis HaMikdash. Um, you have here on the first line, Chumash Vayikra Sefer HaKarbonos, it's called the Book of Karbonos, Avoda HaMerkazis Beveis HaMikdash. This was the most central avoda in the Beis HaMikdash. To be sure, there were other um, types of avoda going on. There was the menorah, there was the shulchan. But clearly, the one that was the most involved and constant was the karbonos. When the Rambam, in, his, uh, in the book of uh, Yad HaChazaka, Maimonides, when he describes what the mitzvah, the Beis HaMikdash, is all about, the words he says are, um, mitzvahs asei, Livnos bayis la Hashem. There's a positive commandment to build a house for Hashem. Muchan lahakriv bo karbonos. A place where, which should be um, fit and set, that we should bring those sacrifices to Hashem. Now, like every part of the Beis Hamikdash, there is the physical action of it, and then there's the way that what that means to us and how we bring that into our own life as well. Karbonos, especially all of our tefillah, all of the davenings that we do is really modeled after the karbonos, right? The reason we have shachris and mincha every day is because shachris is for the morning karbon on the base of mikdash, the karbon tamid shal shachar, mincha is for the tamid shal ben harbayim. We have musaf, that's because of the karbon musaf on the base of mikdash. Mairiv is because of the um, the limbs of the animals that were consumed on the altar throughout the night. So all of our davening really is modeled after the karbonos, and we constantly mention the karbonos during our davening. So there's many messages and ideas behind the karbonos, and let's focus in on a couple of them here. So the pasuk right at the beginning of the parsha, and that's the bold letters here in the second paragraph. The parsha begins: Adam kiyakriv mikem karbon lahashem. A person who will sacrifice, will want to bring a sacrifice from you, a carbon to Hashem, minabhema from the animals, minabakar, cattle, sign, sheep, takrivas, karbanchem, you shall bring your sacrifices. That is the opening pasuk of Chomish Vayikra. I mean, after the, uh, sorry, the opening is Vayikra Hashem that Hashem calls out to Moshe, but he tells him this mitzvah a man from you who will sacri- bring a sacrifice to Hashem should bring it from the animals. Now, there is a grammatical problem with this pasuk. Right? Who's going to catch it first? In, the, in Hebrew grammar, there's one word that would seem to be out of place. Because it says, a person who will sacrifice from you a carbon to Hashem. What should it have said? A person from you who will sacrifice. In, the words, in other words, the word mikem would seem to be out of place. In proper Hebrew, it should have said, Adam mikem, a person from amongst you, kiyakriv carbon la Hashem. Right? Am I being clear? Uh, in English, this reads, a person who will sacrifice from you a carbon to Hashem. What does that mean? And of course, there's different explanations given to that. We're going to look at two of them, uh, both from Hasidic sources. For, number one. one. One is to read it like this. The word carbon. What's at the root of the word carbon in Hebrew? 
So we know carbon is sacrifice, but carbon is karuv, to come close. And therefore, let's read the passage the following. Adam kiyakriv, a person who wants to come close. A person who wants to come close, what does the Torah tell us? Mikem karbon lashem. Find from within yourself. To find from within ourselves and to sacrifice for Hashem in order for it to come close. And that was, that's one way how to read this Pasuk. Again, Adam ki yakriv, or as I spell it out in the next line, Adam ki bali hiskariv, a person that's coming to come close, a person who wants to become closer, more, more spiritual, um, to elevate themselves, sarich lahakriv me'atzmo. When we want to come closer to Hashem, we have to look into ourselves and see in what way can we come closer, what can we give, and what way can we sacrifice to Hashem. Now, if we follow that path, so we have our two concepts. Mikem, from you, you carbon, you have to bring from yourself, and minhabehima, from the animal. What's ourself and what's the animal? Something we've discussed many times is that we are made up of different parts. There's the godly side of who we are, and there's the more animalistic side of who we are. Right, the godly side is the more inspired side, the more selfless side, the holier side. And then there's the more animalistic side of us, which is the, the basic uh, desires and, and temptations and of life that every human being has and animals have as well. And both of them are necessary when we want to come close to Hashem. When we want to come, come, when we want to come close to Hashem, it's by awakening and strengthening that selfless, holy part of ourselves. And it's also with harnessing the more human or animalistic part of ourselves as well. And that's how then we read the Pasuk. Again, I'll look back at the actual Pasuk. Adam, a person, Kiyakriv, who wants to come close. So Mikem, carbon Lashem, we have to come close and bring a carbon from ourselves and minabehima from the animal side of ourselves as well, all of that becomes part of our trying to become ever closer and more spiritual, more connected to Hashem. Okay, now let's look at more details in carbonos. What's the first thing they had to do with the carbon animal, which was four days before the actual carbon, they had to inspect the animal that there shouldn't be any blemishes. Moment, right? We know halachically, it's straight out of the Pasuk, that you cannot bring an animal that has blemishes. So if we're going to translate this in our, into our internal coming closer to Hashem, following the path over here of Karbanos and Tefillah, which is trying to come close. By the way, the word Tefillah also means to connect. Right? Hatofil Klecher is to connect. Tefillah is Karbanos. It's all about connecting. It's about coming closer. So what's the idea of checking ourselves for blemishes? That's basic tshuva. Blemishes are the things that we do that aren't exactly right. And Hashem gives us the ability always to do tshuva. And that's the idea of before you want to become closer, you got you know, to make sure that there aren't those blemishes and those blemishes can and should be corrected. So, bedikas akarban mimumin. The first thing is we have to um, inspect our own personal carbon from those movement, from those um, blemishes, which um, halachically is four days before the actual bringing of a carbon. This represents avoda of tshuva. Now, what happens sometimes when we start becoming a little pensive and looking at ourselves and seeing are there blemishes? And sometimes we might find, oh gosh, there's a bunch of blemishes. Maybe I can't be a carbon after all. Maybe I'm one of those animals that stays on the outside. Right, So sometimes thinking too much about Shuvah actually can bring a person to a conclusion that maybe I'm just not a kosher carbon. Maybe I can't come too close to Hashem. So let's look back at the Pasuk and see the word is Mikem carbon Hashem. Another meaning of Mikem is it is within your ability. 
Mikem Ubachem Hadavar Taloi, that every person has to remember every morning we wake up, we do have the ability to come closer to Hashem. And yes, there may be blemishes, but we have the ability always. And that's one of the greatest gifts that Hashem gives us, the gift of tshuva, that we always have the ability to clear up those blemishes and come closer to Hashem. And the biggest proof for that, that we can always come closer to Hashem, is that we have a mitzvah every morning to daven, which means to connect. Now, if it would be true, well, I did Averis, I can't come close to Hashem, then why is Hashem telling me to daven? So from the fact that every morning He says, no, I want you to wake up, and I know what happened yesterday, and I know what happened the day before, I get it. And yet, we have that ability. And that again is alluded to in the Pasuk. Mikem karban Hashem. Don't ever think that I can't be a karban, that I can't come close. I could. I might have a big job ahead of me, I might have blemishes that have to be taken care of, but I always could. Whenever we hear ourselves saying that we can't, you know we're making a mistake. The Torah says that we do have that ability. Um, one more idea here before we move on to the next idea, which is a carbon. What actually happens with a carbon? Well, you have the animal and um, you, you shech the animal by the mizbeach and, and the blood. I'm sorry? Sprinkle the dam. And you sprinkle the dam, which is a very important part of it. You sprinkle the blood on the mizbeach. But then the actual animal in most carbonos is eaten. Right? And what does that mean? The dam, the blood, represents the passion the warmth and the passion. And when it comes to us coming closer to Hashem, Hashem, more than anything else, Hashem doesn't want us to abstain from eating and drinking and involved in all physical aspects of life. But to come closer to Hashem means that we become more passionate about our relationship with Hashem. And that we do everything, but everything is, uh, everything is in the framework of a, a basic passion of, that I want to connect to Hashem. And then whatever I do becomes, like the animal, becomes kosher. As long as the blood is sprinkled on the mizbeach and the, the warmth and the chayas, the, the, the vitality of our day becomes in our relationship with Hashem. So all of this is part one in understanding the basics of what a carbon is on a personal, on a spiritual level. Okay, I want to look at one more explanation of this pasuk. Od Pirush, another explanation, another way of reading this pasuk. And the following is going to be based on an idea from the Sefer Lukutei Torah from the Balatanya. And he writes the following. And again, going back to that initial Pasuk in the bold letters of the person who um, wants to sacrifice from themselves a carbon to Hashem. We talked about the grammatical difficulty of that Pasuk. And here he's going to give us an alternate explanation. Adam, we talk about meaning man, but Adam sometimes means Adam Ha'elyon, which is Hashem. And we know when the Navi Yecheskel, when he talks about his vision, his prophetic vision of the divine, he talks about Hashem as um, as, as the Aldmus Hakisei Dmus Kimari Adam. He says Hashem appeared to him in that form of man. Of course, Hashem doesn't have a physical form, but nevertheless, that's how the Navi Yecheskel describes it. So, according to this explanation, the Pasig reads the following Adam Kiyakriv. Sometimes Hashem begins the relationship, sometimes Hashem awakens us to come closer to Him. Sometimes we're, we're just, we get inspired. Sometimes we don't even know what inspired us. A person might, one, one fine day, just might feel an inspiration and a desire to, to go to shul, to do something special, to do something extra. What inspired me? Where did that come from? And sometimes it's Hashem who initiates the relationship. And in Kabbalistic terminology, that's called Isarusa Dila'ela, which I should have here on the page somewhere. Yeah, it's in bold letters. Isarusa means an awakening, Dila'ela, that comes from above. Sometimes we are awakened from above. That's why we have, the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos, talks about heavenly voices that come out 
right? The Baskal Yotzeis Mahar Chore, the heavenly voice comes forth from Harsinai and says, Oilahem Labrius Melbona Shal Torah, the people, you know, aren't studying Torah. Uh, when's the last time anyone heard the heavenly voice? You don't have to, uh, you don't have to admit. Um, because sometimes when you tell people that your voices, they admit you somewhere, right? So, but the fact is, the Mishnah says that there's heavenly voices coming out. And the obvious question is, who are they for? Right? So people say, well, the tzaddikim. But the tzaddikim don't need to be inspired. They're inspired already. So who are the heavenly voices, the baskals that come out from heaven? Who are they for? And the answer is that we don't hear them with our ears. But there's a part of our neshama that hears them. There's a part of our neshama specifically that's called the mazel of the neshama. Um, the Pasuk says by Daniel, Daniel, the prophet Daniel was walking, he says, and I saw a vision of Hashem, and the people with me did not see, but they all trembled. That's what Daniel says. I saw a vision, and the people around me didn't see, but they all trembled. <laughs> so the Gemara asks, well, if they didn't see, why they tremble? Right? And the Gemara says, famous quote, they didn't see it, but the mazel of their neshama saw it. And that caused them to tremble. Which means that we operate on different levels. And there's the conscious self that we have. And no, the conscious self probably doesn't hear heavenly voices. But our soul does. And when our soul picks up a heavenly voice, my, our soul can throw into our neshama here, into our, into our mind, an inspiration. And suddenly I'm inspired. And I'm inspired to become better, to become holier. Yes. What is the module of the neshama? What level is it called? What is, what is it? What is so it's a it's a. Explain it more. I can try. Okay. <laughs> it's a you know, the neshama is obviously a spiritual power. Okay. There are the power. There are parts of the neshama that are more invested in our body, and are we're more, more consciously aware of them. And there's the higher levels of our neshama that don't completely enclose themselves in our body. So part of our neshama is in heaven. It's not even here. Mm-hmm. But we're connected to it. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's a Pasuk in Hazinu that says, Yaakov chevel nachalaso. That our neshama is like a rope. And there's the part of the neshama in our body and there's a part of the neshama that remains above. And that's the part of the neshama that's never defiled by anything that we do. That's why we believe a person can sin their entire life, chas v'shalom, and they're still Jewish. And not only that, one day they might do tshuva. And the, in the Gemara, there's a famous story, right? Rebbe Lazar ben Drudaya, who was this tremendous sinner at the end of his life he did such a powerful tshuva and he turned everything around right but why what brought him to do tshuva the answer is because there's a part of us that always remains connected and holy and is never defiled so when that heavenly baskal comes out from Har Chorib and says let's do tshuva so my neshama upstairs gets the memo and they send texts to our neshama down here and we don't even know where it's coming from but that's why sometimes a person comes to the rabbi and says rabbi I gotta do tshuva Rabbi, I'm sorry, I want to come to school. Why? What happened? I just, I just, I'm inspired. Right? And we get those inspirations. All of that, it lies in those words, Adam ki mikem. Sometimes Hashem is the one who initiates the kiruv. Not from ourselves. But Hashem initiates that kiruv. Do we have time for this? I'll tell you uh, just a <coughs> tremendous story. I may have shared it here before, but to me it's such a powerful story. Um, many of you probably know Rabbi Aaron Wolf, CMC, right? Yes, so he, he told me the story firsthand that he got a call one day from a uh, young guy, and they say um, they're calling to discuss funeral arrangements. He said, okay. What's the story? When, when you refer to their father. He says, when did the father pass away? Said, well, actually, he didn't pass away yet. He's, but he's dying within the next day or so, so we're, we're thinking ahead. He says, listen, we don't do funerals before a person passes away. When he passes away, I'll, I'll be 
you know, you can talk, call me, but until then, is there anything I can do to help? So he says, I'll tell you honestly, it's something really odd. Our father is, I don't know, 90 years old or whatever. Just an hour ago, he sort of, he's in and out of consciousness. He opened his eyes and says, you know, I was never bar mitzvahed. And, you know, would you, would you do a bar mitzvah for him? I don't know. He's passing away. But, but maybe, what does it even entail? <laughs> the son asks, Rabbi Will. And he says, well, first and foremost, he's to put on to film. So, okay, he's never done that. Maybe, would you do it? He says, I'd love to do it, but it's night now. Can't do tefillin by night. I'll do it in the morning. Guy says, he's not making it through the night. He has an hour, two hours. Come, let's just do it. So Rabbi Wolf says, listen, you know, Jewish law is Jewish law. I can't do tefillin by night. However, you could put on tefillin from tomorrow morning to look up the clock, you know, from 5.30 in the morning. If at 5 in the morning he's alive and it's possible, I'll call me. I'll have my phone near my bed. Call me at 5 in the morning and I'll come put on tefillin. So the son says, okay, fine. Five o'clock in the morning, he gets a phone call, Rabbi, and, and they say, you know what, he's alive. Not just he's alive. In the middle of the night, again, he floated into consciousness and said, you know, I still wasn't bar misfit. So he gets in the car, runs down to the hospital, and he's there, and, and, um, and the doctors, they ask permission, the says, you know, it makes no difference. at this point, it makes no difference. And they actually gingerly raise his hand, and they put on the tefillin on his arm, put on the tefillin on his head. The rabbi says, Shema. And he takes off the tefillin, and he goes back home. Gets a call a couple hours later, Father passed. And he said, but before he passed away, one more time, he opened his eyes, he smiled, he said, so I was bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they took care of the funeral and so on and so forth, right? This man lived in West Rogers Park. In other words, he had shuls on every block. Right. He could have been throughout his life at a shul every morning. What inspired him on his deathbed to have that desire to hang on, to put on tefillin, right? This is just like one of the million examples of there's a certain part of our neshama that's just there, and is never going to be defiled, and is, and is tugging. And in this case, that Neshama seemed to be saying, you know, your time is running out. we got to get this done, right? So, so anyways, going back to our Pasuk. Isn't there a concept that Neshama gives like a, the goof, or gives, like he gives the person a 30-day notice? Yeah, there, there, there's 30-day there's notice, three-day notices. Yeah, there's a number of different I've heard things. i that because, and then, well, then the obvious mm-hmm. question is, well, how can that be? What about the guy that gets hit, hit by a car? And the answer back to me was no. Because sometimes people do very interesting things, unbeknownst to them. All of a sudden, they'll decide to, you know, reconcile with somebody or reconcile their checkbook or who knows what they do. But they're getting a subconscious message that something's going to happen. There's, there's, there's so many stories. So many stories. I saw someone who I knew personally who was hit by a car. And he was killed. Killed by a car. A man who was, was less than 60 years old, was in his upper 50s. But beforehand, he was sitting with students. He was a rabbi. And he was, he went to, they were going to bench or something. And he kept on, his sitter, he just kept on turning to the al-chait. And it made no sense. Al-chait, we're benching, and then the al-chait again. It was like the weirdest thing. Two hours later, he was gone. Story, I know the band, I, I know the story, right? Read it as Back to our pasuk. Adam ki yakriv mikem. Sometimes the Adam ha'elyon, Hashem, gives us a wake-up call. And sometimes, Baruch Hashem, it's not ten minutes before he passes away. We get inspired. What happens when we get inspired? Here's the thing. When we get a call from upstairs, an inspiration call, it's up to us to take it and run with it. Because if we don't, the inspiration will disappear just as it came. If we don't invest, when a person gets inspired, what do we tell them? You're inspired? Good. Let's take a resolution to do something practical from now on. Because if you're just going to ride on the waves of the inspiration, it's going to remain an inspiration. So you got it, and it's gone. 
Now let's read the Pasuk. Adam Kiyakriv, when Hashem is, brings a person close, then Mikem Karbal Hashem, make sure to take it and become close to Hashem on your own. Don't allow it to remain just a fleeting inspiration, just this good feeling of inspiration. Make sure to take it and do something with it in a practical way. And really, this happens to us also every time. It's yomtev, it's special times. We get inspired. But if we just let it be the inspiration carrying me, the next day it's gone. So in a time of inspiration, the Pasuk is telling us, make sure now to go into yourself and make it come from within yourself so that it doesn't remain merely an Isarusa de la Eila, an awakening from above, make it an Isarusa de la Sata. Awaken yourself from below, making something internal coming from within yourself as well. And this is alluded to to something else fascinating that happened on the Mizbeach, which is, the, uh, on the actual Mizbeach in the Beis HaMikdash, during the first time of the Beis HaMikdash, there was a heavenly fire that would come down from heaven and consume the sacrifices. Yet the Gemara says, even though that there's an Eish that's Ba Milmaila, Mitzvah Lahavi Minahedyot. They had a Mitzvah to build their own fire. So you have two fires going on in the Mizbeach every day. I think in the second Beis HaMikdash, this miracle didn't happen. But in the first Beis HaMikdash, you have two fires. You have a fire coming down from heaven, and you have, and the Kohanim are striking their matches and bringing up their wood, which begs the obvious question, why two fires? I mean, if the fire is working from heaven, it's working. What are the second fire for? But the answer is that the fire from heaven and the fire that they brought are really, uh, metaphorically, these two inspirations that we're talking about. The fire coming from heaven is the inspiration from above. The Hashem calling to us, Hashem lighting a fire with an hour in Hashem. But it's up to us to make sure that the fire is not only something that comes from above and that, that inspiration that might come and leave, but we use that fire to light our own internal fire, to carry us on, carry us over, even in days and times when we're not inspired from above. So that becomes another reading of this Pasuk. Again, Adam Kiyakrib Mekem Hashem brings us closer. Mikem Korban Hashem. We have to make sure that it should come from within ourselves and make it something that's practical and something based on our resolutions and our understanding, not to, so to speak, just fly and that inspiration, bring it home, make it personal as well. Okay, another couple quick ideas in the three minutes remaining to us. Some lessons from the Korban Tamid. Right? We, in the, in the Beis HaMikdash, there were many karbonos, many different types of karbonos, and especially there's Mesechtas and Gemara, where there's Zavachim and Manachas, and, and Kina, and all the different, so many nuances, difficulties, it's not the easier part of uh, Gemara. In fact, I was looking at my notes from last year in our Vayikra class, we talked about the fact that Vayikra is the hardest of the five Chumashim, the most complex halachas of the five Chumashim. But although there's so many karbonos, there was one basic karbon, and that's called the karbon tamid. The constant, consistent Tamid, which was one sheep in the morning and one sheep in the evening. And that was it. Every single day of the year. So, Sunday, Monday, Shabbos, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot, Hanukkah, made no difference. Every single day of the year, the Tamid shall boker and Tamid. This was the most significant carbon, the daily carbon that was really the carbon brought on behalf of the entire Jewish people. Who paid for that carbon? Everyone. That's the Machatzis HaShekel. Because that carbon was the carbon of Klal Yisrael, the daily carbon. And that's the carbon that our davenings are modeled after. That's Shachris, that's Mincha. So, what are a couple of quick lessons from the carbon Tamid? Simple, simple and quick. Number one, how much was it that each person was really donating in the carbon Tamid? We're talking about one sheep for the entire nation. And everyone is donating. So, how much did everyone give for this? A minuscule amount, which the first lesson is that in coming close to Hashem, it's not about how much. 
It's not about how much. It could be a little bit. So Hashem, I mean, if a person has the ability, you give more of your time, more of yourself, more of your abilities. But it's not about that. It's about participating, getting involved, being part of it. But number two, it has to be lishma. A basic rule of karbanos is that they have to be for the sake of Hashem. It's not about how much, but it's how you're doing it. Are you doing it with feeling? Are you doing it with devotion? Are you doing it with a feeling of, I want to come closer to Hashem? That's, yes, important. How much I give is lesser important as to how, how, how am I giving? Is it lishma? And the carbon tamid had to be lishma. Number three, it was the first thing we did in the morning. How much of a person's day is devoted to their Torah or to their tefillah? Well, everyone has different amounts, different amounts of time, how much one can give. But the question is, is that the way I open my day? Carbon Talmud and the same thing, we wake up in the morning, the first thing is we go to Dab and we say, Moda Ani, we start our day right. Again, will I be able to learn for six hours or three hours or one or a half hour? Everyone has their own schedule, but we have to start with Avodah Hashem and finish with Avodah Hashem. The Talmud in the evening was the final one. That's like the summary, the way the day closes. And that's the mitzvah when it comes to learning Torah, at least something in the morning and something at night. Morning tefillah, night tefillah. So that's number three. Number four, the word itself says it. It's consistent. It's every day. Again, it's not important how much, how much time, but it is important that it's consistent. Avodah Sashem is not sometimes. It's not on the weekends or not during the weekdays. It's every single day. That's the message of Karban Tammud. Number five, we include ourselves with the entire Jewish people. That carbon tamid, no one person brought it. It was the machsis hashekel that was brought from everyone. We've discussed in the past that the Arizal had a very beautiful thing. He said, before davening in the morning, he said one statement, which is, Hareini mekabel alai, I accept upon myself, mitzvah saseh, shall v'yahavta l'reyacha kamocha. Before he went to approach Hashem, he says, I'm not in this on my own. I'm part of Klal Yisrael. And I accept and I understand I'm coming to Hashem not just as me, but as me as part of Klal Yisrael. Just like the carbon Tamid, which wasn't anybody's carbon. It wasn't the Kohen Gadol's carbon. It wasn't the Melech's carbon. It wasn't the Talmud Chacham. It was the carbon of all Klal Yisrael equally. And that's number five. And number six, when we brought the carbon Tamid, we actually brought an aliyah, an elevation in all the elements of the world. There are four basic elements to this world which are, um, maybe elements is not the right word, uh, four basic um, categories. There's people, there's animals, there's the vegetable kingdom, right, that which grows, and then there's what's called domim, the inanimate. All four were involved in the carbon. How's that? Well, the people were the people who brought the carbon, the Kohen, Levi, Yisrael. The animal was the animal of the carbon. That which grew was the mincha, which came along with the carbon, which was uh, grains that grew, and there was always salt on the mezbeach. Because a yid, through our avodah, we're not only connecting to Hashem, we're bringing an elevation, an aliyah, to the entire world through that. And the Zohar says that when they brought the carbon, they brought an aliyah to all aspects of creation every morning in the Beis HaMikdash. So these are six quick messages from the carbon Tamid. Again, number one, it's not about how much. It's about participating. Number two, it has to be lishma. It has to be for the sake of heaven. Number three, at the beginning and the end of the day, Four, consistently. Five, inclusion with entire Klal Yisrael. And six, through that, bringing elevation, not just to ourselves, but to the entire world through our avodah and coming closer to Hashem. It's not just about making ourselves better or holier, more connected, but bringing that Kedusha to the entire world, which is, of course, our mission in this world, to bring the light of Hashem, the light of Torah and Kedusha to the entire world.
Okay. Yes, sir.